Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. WBEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation. Plus, MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. For the last year, Asian Americans had to deal with more than the pandemic. Hate crimes targeting Asian communities across the country have skyrocketed. Stop AAPI Hate, a coalition that tracks harassment and violence targeting Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, reported nearly 3,800 incidents over the course of the pandemic, with more than 500 incidents in 2021 alone. These crimes culminated in a string of shootings Tuesday in Atlanta, where authorities confirmed that six of the eight victims were of Asian descent. Today, Asian American lawmakers and activists, including Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth, spoke about the situation on Capitol Hill. Joining us now to discuss the rise in anti-Asian attacks is Esther Yoon-Ji Kang, reporter on WBEZ's Race, Class, and Communities Desk. Hi, Esther. Hi, Sasha. Esther, what happened in Atlanta was truly devastating. Uh, what's your reaction? What, what, how did you feel when you first found out? You know, when I first saw the stories online, my initial thought was, oh, my gosh, it's another mass shooting in this country. Um, It feels like you wake up to those, you know, every other month, it seems. But, you know, as I read a little more and found out that many of the victims were Asian women, I think it just obviously as an Asian woman myself, I it hit really close to home and it was just really horrific. And I also thought a lot about my own uh, family, my own mom, my own grandma people that I love. Yeah, of course. You then spoke with several Chicago area groups about how local Asian communities are responding to this tragedy. Here's a bit from your conversation, Esther, with Inha Choi. Uh, She's the executive director of the HANA Center. It's a Korean American community organization. People are really worried about individuals and families and local communities who are, you know, really working just to survive, especially in this coronavirus time. But now they're afraid to leave the house. Esther, tell us more about what Inha had to say. Well, what she's referring to, obviously, is just the difficulty that a lot of these communities have been having throughout the pandemic. Odette Youssef did a story about dry cleaners closing up or having a really difficult time um, during this this, uh, pandemic. And just businesses all over the city and suburbs struggling and people just having a hard time putting food on the table. And then on, on top, this is layered and they, um, I think they are just scared to venture out. They are telling each other, please be careful, warning each other. And she says that awareness has been higher in this area. Um, she says a lot of people have been kind of you know, warning each other. So so I think that that's one good thing that's happening. You've been reporting on, on the rise in anti-Asian attacks throughout this pandemic, right? How did we get here? Why are we seeing this uptick? 
if you look at the history of um, Asian Americans in this country, you think about the Chinese Exclusion Act, you think about the internment of Japanese uh, uh, Americans, and those have all kind of led to this moment, but a lot of people attribute the anti-Asian violence to President Trump and other predominantly Republican um, leaders scapegoating Chinese people for the virus, calling it a China flu, the you know China virus, Kung flu, things like that. And so I think that's sort of contributed to where we are in this moment today. And then going back to, to what I said earlier, nearly 3,800 hate crimes were reported over the last year. The majority of these incidents happened on the West Coast in California. But what's the status in Illinois and and Chicago? What's interesting is that Illinois ranked seventh uh, in the country um, in terms of the number of cases reported, number one being California with like 44, 45%, something like that of the cases reported. And Illinois has the, I think they're, we're sixth in, in terms of the Asian American population in the United States anyway. So sixth, seventh, that sounds about right. But what I'm hearing is that the reporting here is very likely underrated because the community groups that are doing the work out in California to make this tracker known to community members, they are really expanding the the awareness of the tracker. And so people are knowing to report when they experience a case. Inhei and uh, another community group leader that I talked to, she uh, they they both told me that a lot is going underreported here. Um, people are kind of telling friends and churches and uh, you know, people in their own networks, mm-hmm. but not going to a specific stop AAPI hate tracker, for example, and definitely not going to the police. You spoke with uh, Sungyun Choi Moro about the issue of underreporting. She leads the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. People tell us and then we encourage them to report it and they don't want to. It's partially the the stereotype that we're all trying to live into, like put, keep your head down and mind your own business and just be successful. And unfortunately, that's really hurting our community during these times. Are there resources to, to help combat this? I think with what Sung Yun's talking about, um, she's talking about this idea in the community that we don't make a splash. We don't, we don't uh, report these things. We just say, you know what, that was a bad day. I'm Mm going to move on. Um, And what she is encouraging people to do is actually go ahead and report stop, stop AAPI hate is a good place to do that. The attorney general Kwame Rao, you know, suggests that people report to his civil rights hotline. You know, the thing about that, of course, is language access, right? So you know, a lot of people who may experience um, anti-Asian uh, hate may not have the language skills to report to just the English-speaking hotline. And so there are resources. I think there just needs to be a more coordinated effort, and, and hopefully that's what we'll see. Now, I want to bring other voices to the conversation. Josina Morita is the chair of Illinois' Asian American Caucus and a commissioner of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. Hi, Josina. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for being here. Also with us is Andy Kang. He's executive director of Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago. Andy, welcome back. Thank you, Sandra. Josina, uh, let's start with you. Tell us your reaction to the just devastating news. Sure. I mean, as an Asian American woman, you know, I think it's been incredibly hurtful and sad 
um, I think for me, it turned more to a bit of anger and uh, disappointment, especially as an elected official, to see uh, people who represent our government immediately telling us that it's not about race, it's not about gender. Um, I think for us as an Asian American community and particularly as Asian American women, to see that after a year of a rise in hate and violence against our community, you know, six women being killed, and then kind of an immediate reaction to erase the fact that they were Asian women and that they were targeted, uh, an added layer of hurt and a failure of leadership. Andy, what about you? It's been a couple of days. How, how are you feeling? Yeah, you know, same. I think mostly our, our, our concern is making sure our, our Atlanta affiliate and uh, the community there and the families uh, of the victims uh, get uh, the resources and support that they need. Uh, so that's first and foremost. But sadly, this is something that, you know, as Josina and I uh, talked about in the past over the last year, sadly, this is something that we were concerned would happen. Uh, we're almost expecting and we were hoping we uh, wouldn't see. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, we are living in a climate where the chances of this horrific type of crime happening, um, you know, was quite high. And so, uh, you know, we're here, and uh, I think the question is um, the path forward of demanding uh, real changes that are going to help us stave off the next one, hopefully. Josina, police say that the shooter said there wasn't a racial motivation behind the shootings, but a, quote, sexual addiction. What do you make of that? What is that supposed to mean? To be frank, I'm not sure when we started taking people's words for things as evidence you know, I think when we see a crime happen, there's supposed to be a response that's evidence-based and that is thoughtful. So I don't think that we've seen this kind of immediate erasure of the idea that something is race or gender motivated. And so it's very disappointing to see them, one, not want to talk about the fact that the women were Asian to begin with, even in the first few hours, and then to give this person legitimacy over the experience of Asian American communities and women, especially over the last year, it's it's hard to take. Andy, you know, officers, you know, they said they couldn't confirm whether this was racially motivated. What do you think? Sasha, I think this just highlights the fact that we're not going to police our way out of this problem uh, as, as a solution. And I know that, that there have been calls in the community uh, for a policing-heavy response, and that's just not going to work. And as a perfect example, to Josina's point, the deputy sheriff, uh, who is the spokesperson um, to the media, calling this a bad day and uh, carrying essentially the you know legal defense argument to the public without doing the due diligence of talking to other witnesses and letting the criminal investigation play out, I just think speaks to the issue of white supremacy and unconscious bias that uh, exists in our law enforcement. And I think it's very hard for us to have high confidence that until that issue is fully addressed, um, you know, that uh, policing is going to be a major part of an effective response here. So, you know, I think we have a lot of work to do as, as a society uh, to take violence against communities of color uh, seriously. I don't know. I'm, I'm personally, I'm just getting tired of, of the different excuses. So I'm thinking of the, you know, it's a bad day for, for this suspect. And, and I'm thinking of those uh, sports announcers a couple of weeks ago that used the N-word and said, oh, I, you know, blamed it on their diabetes. Like, there's always something, something else that caused me to do X. And it's focused on them and not the victim, which I think, again, is 
unacceptable that we are talking about his feelings and the kind of day that he may have had versus the fact that he murdered eight people. Earlier today, a House Judiciary Committee held a hearing on how to prevent racially motivated attacks from from actually happening. Now, here's a bit of what Illinois State Senator Tammy Duckworth shared in her testimony. Let's listen. Blaming the AAPI community for a public health crisis is racist and wrong. And as the daughter of an American Vietnam veteran and an immigrant with Chinese Thai heritage, I am deeply committed to supporting our community's fight against discrimination. Josina, how do you think that this will help the situation moving forward? Do you you think this will lead to meaningful action at the federal level? I hope that this is a learning moment. You know, I hope it hadn't happened in the first place, but because since it did happen, I hope that this is a learning moment for our government elected leaders to step up. Um, I think that there has been a level of complacency over the last year and having to deal with anti-Asian racism specifically. I think that there's a general sentiment that somehow it's less egregious and less, you know, harmful as other forms of racism and discrimination and somehow more acceptable. I hope that this is a wake-up call that it is not. Um, And I hope it's also a wake-up call for the public to see um, that this is what anti-Asian rhetoric and stereotypes can lead to. Mm -hmm. Um, This is this is not just jokes. Andy, violent attacks targeting uh, Asian Americans, they've already been happening, right, as, as we've talked about, long before this, this pandemic. But it, it took a shooting with multiple victims in Atlanta to actually get the attention of lawmakers to, to hold a hearing. Why do you think that is? Is it different this time? Well, we do have a new administration on the federal level, so I do want to acknowledge that. And I should say this, that having talked to leadership at the Department of Justice, I do think Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, is someone who intimately is familiar with the dangers and the violence that white supremacy can cause, having uh, investigated and prosecuted uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. That being said, I I do, uh, to build off of Josina's point, want us all to just realize this is hundreds of years of white supremacy. We're not going to undo it, uh, you know, uh, overnight. Uh, and it's not going to be solely the government's responsibility to do that. Uh, so whether it's taking anti-hate bystander intervention trainings that we're offering here, uh, you know, uh, for folks in the community to be good allies, to be gr- good neighbors to each other, or it's holding people accountable for the words they use, whether it's the deputy sheriff reported of using uh, the China virus in a Facebook post, or even locally, um, for example, co-owner of the Cubs, uh, Todd Ricketts, uh, doing the same, saying China virus in his own Facebook posting, as was reported by the New Yorker last year. I think the question is, are we going to hold people who um, are uh, public figures uh, accountable for, for these words that are creating a climate where murder and, and hate incidents uh, are uh, on the rise? That's Andy Kang with Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago, also with us. Commissioner Josina Morita, chair of Illinois' Asian American Caucus. Thank you both for sharing your stories with us. Esther, you're still with us. And you heard what Andy and Josina had to say. What are you going to be watching for moving forward? Well, I'll definitely be watching for how the city and state um, respond and, and, and the country respond to this. And um, to the policing point that um, Andy was making 
I'm interested in seeing if that's the only tool that government uses to address this issue. And I have heard from many community members that that is actually not effective. And folks have said that, you know, when they do call the police, nothing happens. They say that police offer to give them a ride to the hospital or something, but there's just not enough evidence to pursue a hate crime case and things like that. And so I am curious to see um, how city and state officials respond. And just as a, you know, uh, even though this isn't a local story per se, I'll be following how uh, the victims of the Atlanta shootings are portrayed because I feel like many of them are invisible and the media has not done a good job of uh, covering them in yeah. a in a human human humane and fair way, and right. so I'm I'll be following that for yeah, sure. Yeah, just lumped up as you know the six. It's like who are they individually? Exactly. Yeah, good choice there. Well, thanks uh, for being with us. That's WBEZ race, class, and communities reporter Esther Yoonji Kang. Esther, we appreciate your time. Thank you. And that's today's reset. For more conversations about our friends, our neighbors, and how we can make our city a better place to live. Join us right here in this space, Monday through Friday, and give us a quick rating and review. It really helps other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for being here. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.